All right, welcome everyone. So this is our 60th fireside chat. Thank you again to Justin and Oliver for making it all possible. This delivers uh, over 180 hours of questions and answers from Tom. All thanks to Oliver and Justin for editing them. I'm going to start today with a few questions that we haven't been able to get to from the MBT forum. Apologize for that. Sometimes the questions go on longer than than we anticipate. But I'm going to start off because we're going to jump through these MBT forum questions, and then we'll start with the participants here today. And let's jump into the first question from Junior Stokes 53 from the MBT forum. I have a question regarding MBT's ability to explain the current problem in physics. With black holes not obeying the conservation of information, in the sense that they leak radiation, but there's no way to assess the information to derive what formed the black hole in the first place, which has led physicists to pursue a theory of quantum gravity to try to explain this away. From what I can see, looking at your theory and applying it to this problem, there would be no need for a theory of quantum gravity, because the black hole's inability to obey conservation of information is explained by the radiation emitted from the black hole coming from a random draw from the wave function, like quantum systems that we measure. Not a deterministic reversible process, like the physicists seem to be assuming. So the process is inherently irreversible, which they can accept at the moment because their current theories say everything has to be theoretically reversible. Uh, would you please comment on it? Well, that's an easy one. Uh, the comment is, yes, I agree with you. Uh, no, uh, no problems with anything that you said. I don't believe that um, the idea of a conservation of information is even a correct idea. Um, you know, physicists would, would claim that if you took a copy of the last copy of a book, so there was no other copies of a book, and um, let's say even nobody read the book yet, so there's no memory of it either, and you burn the book, they would say, oh, the information has not been destroyed. It's still available in the smoke particles and so on. Well, all of that is based on a deterministic reality frame that you can calculate everything because it is deterministic. You can always, as, as he says, you can always run the movie backwards and reclaim you know, what was there before. And I think that's nonsense. You know, of course, you can destroy information. Uh, by destroying information, I mean that that information is no longer recoverable. So yes, it's, a, it's a, uh, an irreversible process. So consciousness makes information. Consciousness creates it. Consciousness uh, consumes it and uh, assesses it interprets it information and into information interprets data into information so if you are a physicist and you have a belief about this being a deterministic materialistic reality then you have to make things up to justify that and the very thing that he says about black holes is is uh, indeed true so this whole idea that there is a conservation of information uh, is based uh, on the idea of trying to justify uh, determinism and materialism. And it just doesn't make any sense. 
It's not, uh, you know, it's another one of these things that scientists have had to make up to justify their determinism and materialism, but they just don't make any sense to the, you know, to uh, even a casual observer who just looks at the facts. You know, other things are there is no such thing as consciousness. There is no such thing as time. Uh, those are both, uh, there's no such thing as free will. All of those are illusions. Yet uh, common sense in our experience would say nonsense to all of those. So if you've got a theory that requires beliefs that make up things that seem to be nonsensical to most people's experience, that uh, I think leaves you in a very weak position. I, I would I would encourage those scientists to think that perhaps maybe their belief in materialism is what's wrong, not the fact that uh, they make up a lot of assumptions that don't seem to fit our experience. It's not that our experience is wrong and that we just have all these illusions that trick us. <laughs> I think it's more fundamental to say the idea of materialism and, and uh, determinism just doesn't make good sense in this reality. So I agree with what the, you know, with the question, there really wasn't much of a question. It was a statement. And uh, yes, I agree. All right. Thank you, Tom. The next question from the MBT forum is from Pikeman84 on copying and pasting of a PMR. Tom mentions frequently the copy-paste process of creating new IUOCs or new simulations once the initial parameters prove themselves able to sustain, abstain, sustain, that is, a simulation. Is he aware or researched the possibility that the OCS copy-pasted our PMR, let's say 2,000 or 5,000 years ago, and observed the various evolution scenarios? That could either be either inspirational or a cautionary tale for us, depending on how those civilizations turned out. Well... First of all, let me say that when, when I say that the, that the LCS can do a copy and a paste, that's kind of a metaphor. Don't take that entirely literally, although it may, you know, it may be literal, but don't take it that way. What I mean is that any system is going to reuse code that works. That's just, you know, intelligent computer science. If you've got good code, the code accomplishes a function and that function is a function you can use in other places, then you're not going to start over and rewrite code from scratch when you've already got code that does the functions that you want. So reuse of, of code that's already been written is uh, just intelligent computer science. So when I say copy-paste, that's kind of a metaphor for reusing code that's already available rather than having to make everything up from scratch. Uh, copy paste is just one way to do that. There's other ways to, you know, to program such that you have, you know, like the old C++. You program that in order to have reusable code. And uh, so that's my point. So, yes, those things could be that way, but we don't know. We don't know for sure how any of that might have been. You know, when we look at our origins and we look at, all the possible ways that we could have gotten here, we really don't know. And I think it really doesn't matter. It's kind of in the, in the, um, uh, I'd put it in a, in a class called speculation. So it's just speculation and there's nothing we're going to do that's going to 
make that a fact one way or the other. So if we don't really have the possibility of facts, oh, it had to be done this way or it had to be done that way, then I'd rather just leave it alone and say it is what it is. It could have been done many different ways. And perhaps we were initiated as a cut and paste from some other, you know, experiment that uh, maybe did well or didn't do well, but at least the part of it that worked well was able to be pasted into something that turned into us. Well, maybe, but I don't see any reason to actually go there and try to dig into that very deeply because it doesn't really matter. It's not understanding that doesn't help us become love, doesn't help us uh, make better choices. It's just, I guess, interesting in an intellectual way, but not at all particularly meaningful or significant as far as its ability to help us grow up. So many possibilities exist and we can play with those ideas, but don't take them too seriously or spend too much time with them. All right. Thank you, Tom. The next question comes from Charles Heflin from the MBT Forum. Uh, MBT Forum. Uh, he's a fellow QSAC contributor and volunteer. QSAC is Tom's 501c3 not-for-profit organization, the Center for the Unification of Science and Consciousness. That's at QSAC.org. Charles is concerned about your comment on breakfast cereals and the way they um, claim to be healthy as far as cholesterol. Cholesterol is one of the the things that they're touting and kind of using a fear campaign to um, promote these cereals. The medical industry has been pushing the bad cholesterol concept together with all the issues and ailments related to it. It seems that these commercials ads um, are all geared to create fear, doubt, and concern within the public at large. Is the fact that masses of people now have the fear about cholesterol, uh, which makes cholesterol such a big problem. It seems that fear is causing the problem. If there wasn't this fear, there wouldn't be such a widespread pandemic. Maybe a few people had blockages and died from cholesterol-related plaque buildup, which would be a rule set thing. Then doctors got involved to find an issue. Then doctors began telling people, watch your cholesterol, which caused more fear, which increased the problem by making the fear bigger and bigger, spreading it to more and more people modifying more and more probability. According to my understanding of MBT, it seems that fear of cholesterol is modifying future probabilities that one might have health issues related to cholesterol. Are you, as you are fearing issues related to cholesterol, they begin modifying future probability. What What are your thoughts on, on all of that? Yeah, well, I, see, you're asking me just easy questions uh, today, Donna. <laughs> uh, all okay. I have to do is agree with the with the people <laughs> who are writing in. You know, the the short answer to that is yes. You know, that does work that way. You know, intent does modify future probability, and you know, we talk about the placebo effect and uh, how uh, doctors who have good bedside manner. Uh, which means they care about their patients. They take time with them, and the patient gets the idea that this doctor really does care about me and my health, that they're able to cure people much better than doctors who treat their patients like they're, you know, a slab of meat on a conveyor belt, you know, and they go see them for two minutes and, you know, do a few things, walk out of the room, and that's it. Um, they don't feel like they, they're too special. They've just kind of seen the expert that really doesn't care that much about them one way or another. He's just doing his job. 
they those doctors don't do as well. They're not as good at making people well. And these are studies, statistical studies that have been done in medicine for, you know, for many decades. So this is not new information. That's just the placebo effect, which is an effect of intent modifying future probability. Well, there's also the reverse of the placebo effect. So you not only can make people feel or get better from illnesses by having a positive attitude, you can make people get worse from illnesses or even get ill from a negative placebo effect. Matter of fact, the negative placebo effect even has an, a name, but right now that eludes me. I'm not sure what that name is, but um, so yes, negative placebo effect works just like the placebo effect. If one's negative and the other's positive attitude, one's negative attitude. So sure, that's it. Matter of fact, you're talking about things like cholesterol. And for the most part, when medicine comes to these kinds of conclusions that, that cholesterol is not good for you or too much cholesterol is not good for you, they do that based on statistics. They take a lot of people who die from different sorts of things. And when they do autopsies and when they, they investigate uh, things about these people and their health, they find that people who have real high cholesterol tend to also be people that are in the same category as those that have uh, more likely to have heart attacks. So they associate those two things together. But just because you have a statistical correlation doesn't mean that you have cause and effect. Those are two different things. So much of medicine's information about what's good for you and bad for you comes from a correlation, a statistical correlation. Don't confuse that with cause and effect. The idea that, that high cholesterol causes heart problems is not necessarily true. It's also not necessarily false. It's neither of those. But we tend to get the idea that it is necessarily true. And if you have high cholesterol, well, you're likely to have a heart attack. That's pushing statistics past where what they say is really still true. Um, so I'd be a little cautious about any of those sorts of things. You know, just even the statement that too much cholesterol is bad or even that your cholesterol gets high from eating foods with cholesterol in it. See, that's another thing that may or may not be true. Uh, but medicine will, will often repeat that like it's a fact. It's, uh, the body is a very complex, you know, uh, thing. And exactly uh, how something turns out the way it does is usually just not understood yet because there's there's hundreds of processes that all interact with each other for things to get done. And we're just not that smart about biology to know what all those interactions do and what they occur. So we guess, we look at the statistics, we draw some correlations, and then we tend to say things that are a lot stronger than what the mathematics really implies because most people and I guess medical researchers are among those. They're not really mathematicians and they don't really understand the limitations of the mathematics that they're using. They'll see, they'll see uh, statistical correlations and think that's a fact. It's not. So I agree. Yeah. Another simple answer. Yes, indeed. You should be skeptical of all sorts of things like that. Okay, Tom. Um, I know that there have been some studies and some theories on 
on cholesterol and if they're mixed with a certain food it tends to be more problematic than if they're just eaten on their own but you know and, and that that's sort of been proven too are you speaking about yeah. the nocebo effect was that the negative yeah I think it's called no, yeah, nocebo, nocebo. Yeah, yeah I think that's probably what it's called okay um, we have I'll just do one more question from the MBT forum and I promise you all from the forum if we haven't gotten to your question we will we don't but, ignore them but Donna, one one thing you said I'd, I'd like to comment, comment on. You talked about a cholesterol in the food, and you said that's proven too. I'd like to make the point that very little of this stuff is proven. You know, and we talk about proof, and most of the things in medicine, most of the things outside of medicine, most things where people say, oh, and that's been proven. Oh, and had a study, and it proved this. Typically, that's not true. Things are not proven. Things are simply correlated, like this is a strong possibility, and we need to stay skeptical and understand the difference between being a possibility and being a fact. So very little, very little is proven, you know, and we see people like uh, will say things like the paranormal things, you know, none of those are proven. Well, it's not about proof, you know, it's about um, evidence. So there is some evidence for these things. There's some evidence that cholesterol is somehow associated with heart failure. There's some evidence, but that is a far thing from proof. It's just a, some evidence, and the evidence is not even that strong most cases because the correlations are correlations from, from systems that have so many inputs and so much complexity to them that we really don't know what's doing what to what. And we tend to make guesses, and then we treat those guesses as facts because we use those facts to encourage or bully people into buying products. And they're not really facts at all or voting a particular way or having attitudes that we want them to have. So much of what you hear uh, that's called proof and, and facts really aren't. They're associations and sometimes even weak associations. Yeah, I think you hit on a very important point. There's so many variables. The thing I was referring to was some tests that were done uh, now with cholesterol readings. If you don't mix certain foods with carbohydrates, the cholesterol levels seem to be lowered. Uh, but that uh, flies in the face of what they're talking about here, touting breakfast cereals as cholesterol-lowering. That's That's... There's so many uh, variables that, you know, how can you exactly. get to the truth of that? Exactly. When you have lots of variables, you can make, you can kind of, con you can kind of make your, your uh, statistics agree with any position you'd like to take. If you, you know, if you uh, design your experiment right. So, um, you know, you have to be very skeptical of statistics, particularly when it's done on samples of a few hundred or even a few thousand. We just don't know. So be skeptical. You know, that's the key. Be skeptical of everything. Test it out and see for yourself. I think people are different. And what work, what might work for you might not work for someone else. Well, we'll get on to the next question from the MBT forum. This is on the growth process over the LCS. The LCS has created this virtual reality, among others, in order to have players log on, face challenges, 
make decisions and thereby ultimately help to lower the entropy of the whole system. However, the LCS is way beyond this and our level of consciousness. It assesses us and what we're doing, and it still, too, must work to lower its entropy and continue to grow and evolve. But I don't see how our choices could be significant with respect to the LCS's need to lower entropy. We work to evolve our growth through playing our avatars. Through successive lifetimes, we gradually make increments in growth of our IUOC. But the LCS already knows all the lessons we're learning. So how does it advance itself with our respectively puny efforts? Is growth considered like a currency that has the same value no matter what the level of understanding reached? Is it still something learned so it lowers the LCS's entropy even though the LCS isn't necessarily learning anything new? Okay. Well, the, the problem that this person is having is in understanding how or, or what the system's really trying to do. It's not like there's a certain number of facts in reality, and once the system has accumulated all those facts, then, you know, what, what else can it do? It's, it's rather, it's a, it's a system. You have to think of it not just as a set of individuals and that the LCS is smarter than the rest of it, so what does it need us for? It's not that. What it is is that we have an LCS and we have billions of IUOCs, seven and a half billion right here on this planet. So we just have billions of IUOCs. And the idea is what can that system produce? What sort of optimization can you get with that system? How can that whole system, the LCS and all the billions of IUOCs, what can that system produce? Well, what it can produce is a kind of a, a thing in consciousness that is much better than the sum of its parts. So if all of the IUOCs were to lower their, their uh, entropy and become more, you know, move closer to becoming love, then the, the, the whole, what that whole could do, how could that whole reconfigure itself and interact? in a way that, that was more helpful or better, then it's the interaction of the whole that's important. So, okay, we have one piece of that whole, the LCS, and that's real advanced. But that isn't going to optimize the whole. Well, let's look at another thing. Let's say you have a, an instructor who has, um, you know, who's brilliant and has all the facts, really, really smart, knows everything, just about everything, and he's got a whole class of you know, a billion people who aren't all that with it yet. Okay, well, you have this one bright instructor, but you have a billion potential people out there that could become almost as bright as the instructor, let's say, or if not as bright as the instructor. Well, if you take all of it as a system, then you don't have much. You got one well advanced, and then you've got billions that are still in kindergarten. That system has a very, uh, much higher potential than what it's got. So what do you do then? You have that, that one helps those others grow up. Eventually, if all of them grow up, then the system together is so much more powerful in what it can do, so much more um, 
a much greater ability not only to create information, but to create information that's significant, that's useful. So it's the interactions. This is a social system. And when the social system works well, everybody is trying to, to optimize everybody else. Everybody cares about other, then the whole thing will optimize. And to have just one or two or a few optimized pieces of a huge social system doesn't optimize the whole. So that's the way to look at it. You have to look at it as a system, not just an individual trying to learn facts. If you just see an individual trying to learn facts or trying to be a particular way, then you end up to the point that this, that come, you know, where this question comes from. You say, well, what does the system need with us? It's already got all the facts. It already has grown up, and how are we helping it grow up anymore? Well, it's not just about reaching a certain, that somebody reaches a certain level of growth. It's that everybody together creates a much larger thing with, what, trillions and trillions of possibilities that we can all become together. And that requires all of us playing a part in it. So it's sort of like your body. You know, it, your body has, has trillions of cells in it all working together to make something we call a human being. Okay. And we might say, well, the brain knows everything. What does it need the rest of those cells for? Why doesn't it just say, well, it's, let's just have brain cells? Well, it needs all those cells because together and working together, all those cells can create something that's much more significant than just a brain. It creates a human being with a lot more potential than just a brain. So it's a similar kind of thing. Okay, The whole with all the parts working together is going to be much better than just the LCS by itself. Much bigger, much more powerful much more significant, and it'll be a, a much lower entropy system. So that's why we're important. And that's our, why our little puny growth, as it is, you know, is, uh, is significant. Not because of what we contribute to the system right now, but because of the potential of what we contribute to the system. And our evolution is to grow up to, you know, to actualize that potential. That's where we are. We're actualizing the potential, but the whole is much greater than the sum of its parts. And the LCS is a part. Thanks, Tom. All right. Uh, we will go on to our participants that are present here today. And don't forget, MBT forum users, we will get to your question either later on today or on the next fireside chat. Bodan, you have a question. Nice to have you here today. If you'd like to go ahead with your question. Thank you. Hello, Tom. Hello. Everyone. Hello. Um, I have a question. If uh, if we know our goal, we uh, can optimize our way to lower uh, entropy and uh, uh, to find the tools uh, to achieve it faster. I think mm -hmm. uh, we also uh, can be more in, in efficient in the process. Why we can? Uh, we don't have access behind the scene of our physical reality uh, and it is excluded from the primary set of rules and most people have to struggle to find a way to see the bigger picture wouldn't it be a more efficient 
way to lower entropy if everyone could just see on demand the bigger picture? Uh, no, it actually wouldn't be. It would be a slower process. And the reason for that is that if you could grow up by using your intellect, by understanding things, if growing up was an intellectual process, then what you say would be true. Understanding, uh, you know, what's behind the scenes, what's behind the curtain. If you understood all that, well, then you'd be able to grow up more if it were an intellectual process, but it isn't. So what would happen if you had all that understanding and didn't have to earn it, didn't have to grow up to be ready for it so that you could internalize it, is that people would game the system. They would say, okay, what we're supposed to be here is kind and gentle and caring about each other. So I'll act that way. At least when anybody's looking, I'll act that way. But that doesn't mean you're actually going to be that way. It doesn't mean you're going to change. It doesn't help you grow up any. It just tells you what the right answers are. It's like getting the answers, you know, does does giving students, you know, a set of the right answers for the test, you know, help them uh, get smarter? No, it helps them pass tests, but it doesn't actually help them learn anything. So by giving people the answers, you're not helping them grow up because growing up is not an intellectual process. You know, you just have to go through all the growth steps. You can't take a six-year-old child and, uh, you know, teach them how to grow up. You can take a six-year-old child, and with enough browbeating, you can probably get them to act more grown up, but all you'll do is make them neurotic because they're not being honest. They're not being who they are. They're pretending to be something else. They're living an image. All right, they're very polite. They say all those adultish things. You can train them to do that, but that's really not all that good for them unless they only have to do it like when company comes over and otherwise you let them act like a child, you know, do the things that six-year-olds do. So you just can't push growing up. It has to happen from the inside out and it's not an intellectual process. So rather than, than have a lot of people trying to game the system and look like they're grown up when they're not really grown up much, it, um, its process is that you start with no information and then the choices you make are really representative of who you are. Your choices are authentic. You make a choice, and if that choice is, is to be angry, then that's authentic. That's you. That's the level at which you have evolved. And now you get repercussions. You get consequences from those choices. And that's really a much better schoolhouse than in hand, handing everybody the answers to all the tests. It's much better to have people be who they are and then get corrections uh, by their feedback, get the consequences of, say, their anger, because anger just makes everything worse. And, you know, then people end up being, uh, like you say, struggling and struggling because of the, mostly their own ego and their own beliefs. That's what causes all their struggle. And that's the feedback for them to grow up but it's honest, it's who they are, it's what they are, and then they get the consequences of being that way. And it doesn't make it really that difficult for people to get the bigger understanding. I mean, look at all of you people are here. You know, you've all got a bigger understanding of the way the world works. And how much does that help you grow up? You know, how many, how many leaps and bounds have you made getting rid of fear because you 
you know, have the intellectual understanding. Well, maybe some it has helped because you've now taken it more seriously and you've thought about it more. But the reason you take it more seriously and thought about it more was because to get here, you had to already be interested. You had to have, you know, you had to have the, the desire. In other words, you had to be ready. When you weren't ready and somebody mentioned uh, about growing up and being kind and being love and big pictures and nature of reality, if you're not ready, you just blow all that stuff off. You're not interested. Try to explain that to people and they just change the subject or don't want to talk about it. If you're not interested, then you're not going to actually take it seriously and, and it's not going to help you grow up. But when you are interested, when you are ready for it, then it's it's here. It's been around. I mean, there's a there's probably a hundred thousand books out there that will help you see bigger pictures. You know, from from the self help to to you know philosophy, theology. There's lots of things that'll help you get bigger pictures. But you have to figure it out on your own because growing up has to be something that you figure out on your own as you're ready, and one step leads to the next. So it's just not that helpful to. Um, let everybody have, let's say, a memory of all the things that they've done so that they can get a bigger perspective on what they've done. There's baggage that goes with that. If people had all their memories when they incarnate here, there would be too much memory. So then we just have to be selectively pared down. Well, maybe you'd have a memory of just the last five incarnations. That's all. You know, even that would start to become burdensome. And the whole point of starting over in your carnation without any intellectual information is you also don't get the, you don't bring over the ego and the fear and you don't bring over the ego and the beliefs with you. You bring over propensity for ego and beliefs because of your basic quality. But the old ego and the old beliefs that has you kind of locked in a corner, they go away. You get to start over. You may regenerate them next time but you don't have to be trapped by them next time because you you leave those behind along with your other intellectual stuff so pretty soon if we had uh if we kept our memories we would have this trail of baggage that we have to deal with it's not only about making right choices but we'd have to dig ourselves out of the holes that we created in the previous incarnations as it is all we we do is we take our in you know who we are the quality we are things happen and we make choices relative to those things we get feedback then we we uh we work with that until we become ready to go faster ready to understand we become seekers after truth and after the nature you know we want to understand the nature of our reality and you know, what's the difference between right and wrong? And why is that difference there? We have these issues and these questions where we want to understand, and that makes us, quote, unquote, ready. And now we start going over the Internet. We start reading books. We start talking to other people, and we start learning and growing much more quickly than we were before because now we're plugged in and aware of it. But until you're ready, plugging somebody in kind of artificially without them having to earn it or, or grow up to it just isn't that helpful. It makes them game the system. It's like giving them answers, you know, before they take the test. 
oh, they'll make really good grades on the test, but they're not really learning anything. And when I say growing up, that means really learning it. So the students have to figure it out and understand it on their own. Giving them a lot of help in, a, in the intellectual track is not useful. Giving them some help in the intuitive track, system does that all the time. But not in the intellectual track. Because the intuitive track is right into the being level of who they are. The intellectual track is right into their image of who they think they are or who they'd like to be. Okay. Thank you. Hmm? Uh, if I can, I can, I would like to ask one more question or only one question. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. If you had any question to me, what would you ask me? <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know. You took me by surprise there. If I wanted to ask you a question, it would depend a lot on what it is I, <laughs> I wanted to know. Um, a question about what your growth question about your yeah. understanding, yeah, that sort of thing, yep, not a question about about the uh, facts or anything um, oh, I don't know, I guess i if I were going to ask this somebody to get a sense of of their uh growth. I really wouldn't ask them so many questions. I just listen. People will tell you exactly where they are and how grown they are after about five minutes of conversation is usually obvious because the way we are represents who we are. You know, the things we say and the things we do and we, we represent ourselves at the quality that we are. And we represent it in all the things we say and, and how we, you know, what we think is important and what we think is not, you know, how we act, even, you know, how we dress, how we do everything we do reflects us as people. And um, you don't really have to ask questions to, to get a sense of where people are and what they've learned. All you have to do is spend a little bit of time with them. And that's usually pretty clear where they where they are. You don't have to look at their aura. You don't have to do anything paranormal. You just spend a little bit of time and um, you can, you can just, it's just pretty obvious how serious they are. You know, what is it that, that, uh, you know, how, how deeply do they connect to things? So it's, it's pretty obvious. Now the people who are really, really quiet and don't say much, they're a little harder, takes a little more time because you have to be around people to see them interact and, and see their thoughts and let, you know, see what they say. So people who have a lot to say and interact a lot, more extroverts, you know, those you can understand very quickly. Those that uh, sit there and are really quiet and the introverts, you have to spend more time with them so that before you can, you can tell without doing something paranormal, like looking at an aura or something. So. I don't know. I don't really have a question. You know, it's, there's, there's not anything that I need to know. You know, everybody is doing, everybody is where they are because that's represents their quality. And everybody is struggling pretty much at that level, trying to deal with the things they have to deal with in a, in a positive way. At least everybody that would be here would be like that. You know, everybody's trying to grow up. And 
everybody's unique and different and they are just doing what it is they have to do. Like nobody can do, nobody can make your choices but you. And only you will learn from the kind of things you do. Somebody else did exact same things you did. They would not necessarily learn from them like you would. You know, it's not the stuff that counts or the things you do. It's the intention behind those things. So there's really nothing uh, particular that that uh, anyone needs to know about anybody else. You just you just deal with people as they are, and before long, it's pretty obvious, you know, who they are. And you then once you understand them better, then it's your challenge to find out how can you be of help. How can you do or say things that helps them see bigger pictures or find, you know, find more positive ways of being? Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons that, you know, you say that once you learn to do paranormal things and you, you get good at them, then after you've gotten to the point where you're good at them, you don't really care to use them anymore. And it's for that same reason. There really isn't anything you need to know. There isn't anything you really need to change. You know, everything is just the way it is. So you kind of let all that stuff go because, yes, you can get all this information on their spiritual quality or what they're doing or all sorts of things there, but none of that information is particularly useful or even all that interesting in that sense unless there's a particular reason or situation that you would like to know it because it would help you be helpful. But other than that, there's no point. It's the process of learning to do those paranormal things that will help you grow up. But the actual doing them is neither here nor there. The paranormal is not all that important. But learning to do them will actually help you grow up because in learning to do them, you're forced to see larger realities. You're forced to see yourself as a, as, a, as a small piece of something much, much bigger. And that's a something that helps people grow up. 